This is G'day World 273. My guest is Jeffrey Boll, the Managing Director of Starship, a Melbourne-based ad agency, talking about the fragmentation of media and the demise of TV. Stay tuned. We have a legacy of freedom and privilege, which has been won by hard struggle, hasn't been given by from above. It's been won, but we have it, and we can use that uh, to help people who are suffering seriously uh, if we try. Well, the singularity is a future time which will be profoundly transformative, where the machine intelligence we're creating will be billions of times more powerful than our own biological intelligence. Last year, what's next for Robert Scoble? What do you think you're going to be doing three, four years from now? Oh, geez. Uh, well, hopefully uh, we've We'll have a successful launch of Longhorn. I, I want to stick around for my, with Microsoft for at least four more years. Around what I call the because effect rather than the with effect. In other words, I can make more money because of my blog than with Anything my blog. Anything of this magnitude only happens because enormous numbers of people want it to happen and are willing to commit time and energy and money. Should I... <laughs> <laughs> G'day world, you're listening to Cameron Riley on the Podcast Network. It's uh, uh, well, isn't it? the 2nd of August 2007. My guest today, coming from uh, sunny suburbs of Melbourne, Jeffrey Boll, Managing Director of Starship, an integrated marketing and creative agency. How are you doing, Jeffrey? Very, very well. It's a gorgeous, slightly cloudy but warmish kind of day in Richmond. You wouldn't, want, you wouldn't want it any other way. Um, now, yeah. I, I was reading recently the uh, August 2007 edition of Marketing Magazine in which you wrote your uh, regular article, Gorilla Guide, and there's a lot of good stuff in there. You were talking about the, the demise of television as an advertising medium, the fragmentation of media, which is a... something that um, I've been speaking about for the last couple of years, but because I'm a new media guy, nobody takes me seriously. Yeah, that's true. Now you, but that's not your fault. Well, I, yeah, I can't help but, it. Uh, so you see, you guys are still suffering from the dot-com thing that happened, what, 10 years ago? <coughs> and, and people are still blaming you for that, like you had something to do with it. Yeah, and it wasn't all the venture capitalists' bloody fault. Mm. So, mate, from, yeah. your, from your perspective, you've been in the industry a while. How, how long have you been doing this advertising stuff? Um, I've been running an advertising agency for 17 years, but the uh, about the four or five years before that, I um, was... Uh, I've worked market research for more than 25, um, and the four or five years before I started the agency, I was specialising in doing advertising assessment work for, you know, big corporates like NAB and Telstra and whatever. In other words, they'd, they'd get me to um, uh, look at the ads, you know, in focus groups or quant or whatever, and um, and then take me along like a baseball bat and beat, beat up the agency because they didn't have the guts to tell the agency it wasn't working themselves. <laughs> so that's what I used to do. What? So I've been at it for about 20 years or so. So you've got a lot more credibility talking about this shit than I do, which is good. And Isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah, it's good to find somebody with more... Well, it's not hard to find somebody with more credibility than me. But listen, um, one of the things that I like, this is something I've been saying for a while now, and you wrote it in your column, you said the Packers are getting out, that tells you everything. Well, I, yeah, I think <laughs> if, you, if you think about it in the cold light of day, the Packers have been very good at cleaning money out of television for a long time. Um, the... Uh, most of the boys around town that buy me, you know, um, and I obviously occasionally have a bite to eat with them or whatever, um, 
are of the opinion that uh, the Packers have never left anything alone that made a profit. Um, so therefore, they are probably selling high uh, on the basis that pay TV is sorry free to free to air TV is going to slowly reduce in um, uh, profitability, and they're probably getting out while they're still getting the highest price they can get for it. I saw an article in I think it was the Daily Telegraph when I was unfortunately stuck in Brisbane uh, about a week ago that said that last year in Australia, twelve television programs. No, the year before, I think. I so said the 2006 year, um, 12 television programs in Australia got a million viewers. Yeah. And in the last 12 months, there's only been four television programs get that kind of audience. Yeah. That's, that sound right to you? Yeah, well, that's another... Well, there's a... There's a um I'm in a separate competitive filthy rag called professional marketing, which I subscribe to because I'm a member of the Australian Marketing Institute for my sins. Uh, has on the front page here, with TV viewership down by 15%, there's got to be a smarter way. Quote from uh, Myers' new Bernie Brooks CEO. Um, uh, look, I... I, look, the audience numbers are dropping. Audience numbers are dropping for obvious reasons. One of them is that everybody's got a PC or if they've got any brains, a Mac in their houses. And um, they're spending more and more time on it. I, they're either... And I don't, I don't know what the percentage of them is, but, you know, you can... If you think of any of your mates you went around to visit, or probably if you go home tonight, you'll do the same thing. You get home, you take your laptop out, top out, you plug it in, or you, you know, you turn on your... You, you just sit next to your PC. You've probably got the TV playing in the background. If we're at, we're at least splitting our attention, which means that your ads are far less likely to have effect unless they're a fantastic ad... Or people have just moved over completely to watching YouTube or answering their emails or whatever and just simply aren't watching the TV at all. And it depends where they put their computer in their house. I mean, if I was in the TV industry, I'd actively be encouraging them, people to, um, to have their computers in the same room as the TV so at least they watch some TV. Yeah, my wife and I constantly sitting there with our individual laptops on our laps with the TV on in the background. And we, it's usually a DVD for a start. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're surfing and watching, but uh, if it was uh, the, the rare occasions when we're watching some sort of free-to-air TV, uh, you know, as soon as the ads come on, your attention goes straight down to your laptop screen and you focus on what you were working on. Uh, yeah, unless the ads something you really want to watch, which is something that we've been saying. In fact, people like me and Sean Cummings and others in the ad agency game understand the importance of creative. We keep saying this to clients. Some clients understand this and say, oh, well, okay, we'll make ads that are more exciting. But a lot of them are still, and this is one of the reasons that people are turned off to wear television is that there's a large number of clients out there who are still bashing the bashing the uh, banging the drum you know yelling at their uh, their, their customers and thinking that those sorts of ads are going to have an effect. Like Harvey Norman, I mean, I don't know how, how Jerry Harvey sleeps at night, the, the sort of the standard of the ads that they do. Um, and well, I guess what I'm saying is why would you watch ads that you either find dead boring because there's nothing, no strategy in them and no humour and or worse than that, ads that are plain outright offensive they might work on the dumbest of the dumb people some of the time. I mean, I can't understand who else would go into Harvey Norman stores. If you ever walked into a Harvey Norman store, you know what I'm talking about. The, the couches are just appalling and, you know, they're designed for the abyss of the world. 
I mean, probably aiding those that they, they sell to. But, um, you know, people shouldn't be producing ads like that. And the reason that you're looking at your laptop on your couch is because of that. It's shit ads. Well, look, that's partly it. But it's, you know, I think that there's there's so many more things to take my attention today. I mean, we're not passive consumers of entertainment like we might have been a decade ago. There, there Nor should you. I mean, I, I think it's wonderful that things like interactive television are coming along. I don't see much evidence of it in Australia. Probably the, probably the best example is things like Big Brother where you get to vote on whether you could keep you know, the blonde in or the brunette. But, um, and I mean that in a, you know, regardless of their sex. But, um, yeah, there's, there's so many more things coming along. It's fabulous. I mean, you know, you can get TV so you wish on your, on your mobile. Um, you know, there's just the, the level of entertainment and particularly on the web. I mean, I noticed that um, Google the other day bought somebody who uh, is going to allow them. This is just from a sheer entertainment point of view. I mean, you might think, might sound a bit strange saying this, but Google bought a company the other day called, I think it was American, American Vision or something, who... Um, have got satellites set up in such a way that you can drill down so you can actually read the license plate on cars and things like that instead of Google Earth being the big you know it was, it was a, a map from a distance and it was quite pixelated when you got down to the, the house that you were in you couldn't see anything really they've got bought this company that allows you to get right down to ground level and really see things I'm just making the point that there's so many things on the internet that are interesting yeah Facebook my, you know, YouTube. They're fabulous things. Are you playing with those things? Always. I'm actually. I love them. I mean, as a company, we're putting ads up. We every ad we do, I think, goes on. Um, is it MySpace, YouTube, Facebook? There's a list of about six or so that we put stuff onto straight away because we know that we get an additional audience, however large or small, for the clients for bloody new nicks. Um, it also makes us look sexy. Besides that, it's an exciting thing to play with. Everything from SMS competitions to, um, you know, to testing out TV ads before they go on the main, um, you know, on, on free-to-air um, via shows like that. I mean, oh, sorry, you know, um, websites like that. What's your, uh, you know, Nick on Twitter? Um, I don't have a problem with Twitter. I, I think that... Um, Humans have always been um, pedestrian in their conversation, really, and always concerned about themselves. And if somebody happens to be going to bed and telling you that she's wearing a black bar tonight instead of a, a skin-coloured one, and she thinks that's exciting, well, there'll be some guy out there somewhere jerking off about it, thinking it's fabulous anyway. So, you know, she's had the effect she probably wants to have in the first place. <laughs> I think it's marvellous. What's, I mean, I, what's, what's, what's your Twitter profile? Have you, have you ever stood next to two people in a market or a supermarket or something and haven't heard the standard conversation? You know, some people talk about, you know, the, the political ramifications of Russia or getting to the kind of thing we're discussing now, but a bloody lot of people are quite happy to discuss the colour of their, their jumper and whether or not they should dye their hair now or next week. That's all Twitter is. People get upset about it because they think it's a waste of space and a waste of time, but for other people, they're talking to, you know, they're happy to talk about themselves. You know, I, my my standard comeback when people make disparaging comments about any internet-related service is, you know, the, the, the internet is a communication tool and it is what you do with it. And if you want to use it to talk about getting your cat washed, fair enough. If you want to what? use it to talk about, you know, geopolitical strategy, then good for you, you know. What right have they got to tell some girl in Mount Waverley who's washing her hair for the first time this month that it's irrelevant to the rest of the world? The yeah. rest of the world might be fascinated. 
You know, I think the, the fascinating thing about Twitter, if you're a marketer, is to be able to get a glimpse of what people are thinking about, interested in and doing right now. I mean, you would think for a marketer that would be an absolute goldmine. I, I think it is. I think um, the danger is that um, people pick up on the fact that you've, you know, you say you're a Revlon or somebody and you've, um, you've picked up a few of these Twitter things and you happen to think that your target market, who happens to be sort of 12 to 14-year-old girls, are discussing things like hair. Then you go and dump a few stories on that about how to compare your hair well or whatever and get caught out on it. Then you lose... Um, well, you don't necessarily lose that much credibility, but you... You know, you... Understandably, people in generally don't like companies manipulating the conversation. It is a great opportunity, but it's got to be handled really, really carefully. And um, I'm not a believer that any sorts of marketers should um, try to pull the wool over, I don't know it's a very old-fashioned term, but try to pull the wool over the eyes of the customer one way or another. I think you've got to be much straighter than that in marketing um, and gone are the days when you could get away with, or in fact you should have, um, bullshitted to the customer one way or another. So I don't like the idea of using that unless it's handled in a way that is positive. I don't know what that is exactly. Well, yeah, I think that uh, the Clue Train boys nailed it seven, eight, nine years ago when they said it's all, you've got to have transparent, genuine human conversations with the audience. That's what they're looking for. Absolutely. But they shouldn't necessarily be aimed towards, well, I guess a company's always going to try and push its products. But, you know, how do you handle it in a way where you make a profit but you don't manipulate? I mean, it's a very difficult quandary on a philosophical level for anybody. Let me, let me ask you a little bit about how you think the advertising industry needs to change. I mean, running, running the podcast network, you know, we've got about five, 600,000 listeners to our shows. And I, from time to time, I get calls from advertising agencies who want to put something out across the network and, and leverage our audience. But when we talk about the size of the audience per podcast, which averages at, you know, 20, 30,000 listeners per show, some are bigger, some are smaller. Those, those sorts of numbers are, uh, I find ad agencies find very difficult to get their head around. How do They're they probably scale small down? for them. Yeah. How do they scale down? So, um, Well, you know, look, there's, there's two minds here. Um, depends who's listening. I think if they, you know, in, if they genuinely want to discuss an issue, then they should look at it more like a trade magazine. Okay, there's only twenty or 30,000 people, but if those twenty or 30,000 people happen to be turning on uh, the, listening to the podcast on this subject, they're doing it because they've got a genuine interest in it. There's a high possibility therefore that they have something to do with it one way or another, either they're students in it or, you know, lo and behold, better still, they're, um, uh, you know, they're marketing managers who use that kind of thing or whatever, right? Now, the fact that you've only got twenty or 30,000 people listening to it where you might have 200,000 or, or 2 million people watching a television ad doesn't make the media any less effective for what you're trying to do. It just happens to be that when you do the TV ad with 2 million people, those 20,000 people might mi be mixed within the 2 million. Yeah, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, from my perspective, like... I, I don't think it's bad, you know. I think any audience is good as long as you, you know, you're not spending a, fortune, a lot of time talking to people who can't do any good for you one way or the other. 
Well, I think or don't deserve to listen to it, the other bit. One of the things that's happening with this fragmentation of media is a lot of the programming out there is becoming very niche and very focused around a particular subject. Mm. And, you know, you, you, advertisers are able to start to target how they reach the people that are genuinely interested in their particular products and services rather than the shotgun approach of trying to get... Oh, I think, look, I think it's better. I think the advertisers are likely to be paying... They're likely to be able to argue that it's only a 20,000-person audience, therefore they shouldn't be paying the same money that they should be pay, they'd be paying in free-to-air with 2 million people. On the other hand, they're highly likely to be a much better audience for one reason or another. And when I say that... Uh, you know, for, for the money. I mean, if you've got 20,000, how many people do you need to actually buy a Holden Commodore per $20,000 primetime TV ad? You probably need about, I don't know, 10? If 10 people have bought from a $20,000, you, you've made a buck on it, right? Well, if there's 20,000 people listening to a debate on um, the, uh, you know, how... Comet versus Ford, or the uh, the suspension and um, and the and the engine adjustments they've recently made in Holden Commodore. What makes you think you're not going to sell sell, sell two hundred of them a Holden Commodore? Mm, mm. It's a lot. I mean, it's potentially a lot. In fact, from an advertising point of view, segmentation is actually potentially a brilliantly good thing. It's just trying to get the ad agencies to understand that they're buying customers, not necessarily just audience hits. Mm, mm, mm. Not just the eyeballs; they're actually buying potential sales. And, but you know, the, the I guess the big challenge for an agency, though, is they're going to start having to figure out how to interact with all of these smaller media properties, rather than you know a handful. Know, it's of a logistical them. nightmare. Yeah. So what happens yeah. there? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, the the internet throws this sort of stuff up to you. What do you do about it? I don't know what the answer is. It's it's we try to respond to what is more fashionable in the internet because um, you know somebody happens to in the office you know say oh look I'm on, now on Facebook and I've got 121 friends today and, oh and somebody else says well we maybe we should look at putting some ads on there because God it's obviously important you know that's the only way we respond to it at the moment there doesn't seem to be too many people out there there's a few media sales people who are who are um, working in um, selling. Yeah, you know, various spots on the internet, and they're they're they're, they're going to get bigger and bigger. I mean, they're not the Harold Mitchells of the world yet, but they're they're going to get more business. But you know, how you keep up with it generally, other than going through some of them, I don't know, and I'm not sure that their motivations are necessarily any good because nine times out of ten, when you're dealing with these sorts of people, they will go with the people that give them a commission, and I don't know how you get a commission out of somebody like YouTube. Yet. Um. You following me? Yeah, I do. So yeah. let's talk about the rise of the creative class. Okay. From, from Great issue. From, from, the point about broadband yeah. and faster internet, the faster the speed, um, the easier we can watch moving footage. Basic issue. Everybody knows about it. Um, if you are, I'm going to give you a little scenario. You're Harold, right? Harold owns a factory out in um, Thomas Town. Harold makes um, widgets. Um, Harold's mate who makes wadgets down the road has just 
uh, have somebody walk through with a virtual tour through the factory. Um, uh, they've um, uh, cut up the way the wadgets are made into tiny little things so you can see all the little bits of steel flying off the wadget as it gets machined. Um, the, you've got interviews with the sales force, um, you know, da-da-da-da. They've, they've now they've spent, I don't know, whatever it is, 10000 or 100000 or a million bucks or whatever on a very, very, very sick website's got fly-throughs, virtual tours, interviews with everybody, you know, the life history of the wadget, etc. What do you do? You do it too, right? What I'm saying is, people who make stuff for the web now are going to make a fortune in the next 10, 20 years or whatever because you need content. Now, it was all well and good when a few graphic artists could make a still website page, and, you know, you could, after a bit of time, click through and find a product or two, and that was a bit of still photography and all the rest of it. And we could keep up with the growth then, but we are not going to be able to keep up with the growth in the future. And, and there, will be, there will be a lot of demand for people who are able to film television-style stuff well. But cheaply. Well, not necessarily cheaply. I mean, what choice have you got? Harold's looking at his mate making widgets. He's got to do the same thing. He... Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like the reason why people buy cars. I mean, you know, the only reason that, that you probably go and buy a better car is because either you or your wife decides that the people down the road have all got brand new silver um, BMX5s. You've got to have one too. <laughs> that's human. That's life. If it wasn't for that, we'd all be sitting around in caves. <laughs> so, you know, <coughs> what the rise of the creative classes, huge demand on the internet, not enough people to supply it. Doesn't matter how many people you run through university. If you took all the bloody doctors and dentists and all the rest of it and taught them how to film, they're not going to be able to keep up with it. Um, and it, it won't have to be necessarily cheap because the better the quality of the creative approach, the better the strategy, the better the film work, etc., the more widgets you'll sell. You used to term in your article the mass marketing of experience. What did you yeah. mean by that? Well, exactly the same thing. If you can walk through, you can go, you know, the ideal is you go to the supermarket and you walk around and that's fine. But um, as the internet becomes, you know, all those little wadget websites become developed, um, you are not necessarily going to um, have to go to the supermarket to buy anything. And, yeah, I know it's the promise that the dot-coms were making 10 years ago and it got put on the back burner because, hey, we didn't have the bandwidth to do it. But as the... Um, you know, as as the capacity develops and the you know and the speed improves, we can go and do things that we could never have dreamed possible before. I mean, I've been you know uh, flying a Mac or a PC or whatever you want to call it since 1983. There used to be some bloody awful games on on computers. Some of them are getting reasonably good now, things like uh, Second Life and whatever. But even Second Life is just comic strip. Wait till that's three dimensional. Wait till the chick you're having sex with in fake sex on Second Life looks and feels like Angela Jolie. Not Angela, Angelique, sorry. Angelina. Angelina, whatever, you know. Tall, dark hair, skinny, big tits, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's the wrong way to put it. I hope there's a lot of women listening to this. I'll be very impressed with that. No, no women listen to this show, man. Okay, right, sure. Good. Uh, 
All right, so uh, let's let's talk about Second Life then, since you brought it up. What- I think it's wonderful. I mean, here you can you can sit at home and earn bucks. Fantastic. You know, trade and sell real estate that doesn't exist. Brilliant. I mean, <laughs> it's it is mind-boggling. I mean, I'm amazed there's not more than coming out, but I reckon it's probably a lot of um, a lot of programming to b- uh, put one of those together. But um, the the idea there are a couple more popping up now. I'm not familiar with them. But the general idea that, that a person who is short, fat, ugly and poor can be rich, thin and beautiful and famous you know, in another existence just by sitting at home on their couch with their laptop on their knees um, you know, and, and trading well, it's just marvellous. I mean, I, I wonder whether they should get into the real world and try to do the same thing one way or another. But, you know, given that, you know, you may not have necessarily been born with, with, um, with looks or money, at least if you've got brains, you can get most of what you want. So I can imagine them growing hugely. I think it's terrible for obesity and all the rest of it because I think people should be doing more exercise. One thing I think is a fantastic development um, in general home entertainment um, and coming back to the mass marketing experience, this is one of them, um, is the, uh, the idea of, uh, have you played with a Wii? Have you boxed with a Wii or gone hunting with a Wii? No, I haven't got hands on with a Wii yet. Uh, look, um, my 11-year-old son has got, most of his mates have got, um, you know, a Wii connection on their computers now. Um, so that they can, or on their, you know, what do they call it, the um, the various game boxes. Mm-hmm. So they can um, they can do exercise. Their mothers aren't so upset with them now sitting in their bedroom playing on the computer anymore because at least they're not getting, you know, they're able to to sprint with the other kids in the race, or they're able to box or do have a sword fight or whatever. And they're getting some exercise. I think it's marvellous. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're 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 sitting up a new office at the moment, and we're trying to make every second or third chair, an exercise bike. <laughs> so that people don't just sit there. Fabulous idea. Easy to do. Let's let's talk about Second Life, though, in some more detail. So uh, have you had any clients approach you yet about uh, building something in Second Life? Um, Are they thinking about it? Yeah, we it? have. We have. Um, I don't have much to do with that part of it. Um, it's mainly... To do with uh, outdoor billboards and stuff like that at the moment. I don't know how you do a TV ad on Second Life, but um, you know, people are talking to us at the moment. I've got the creative department fucking around with something at the moment for somebody which I can't talk about. Um, but the, uh, it, it seems, and I'm, I haven't discussed this with the media department, but um, uh, well, we kind of half debated this a few days ago. But it seems that um, you've got to buy internationally which means you're spending probably more money than what you're getting back because there's not that many people in Australia on it. But you're paying higher rates. If they break it down per country, then it might get quite sexy. Like if I could just buy outdoor in the Melbourne region and people happen to be playing in Melbourne and, and would only see the outdoor that way, and I don't know whether you can do that yet, but you certainly can do it with, with other sorts of media, so I can't see why you couldn't do it over time. That would get really sexy. Well, I mean, there's the, there's plenty of groups inside of Second Life that uh, people who live in Melbourne or people who live in Australia belong to. So it's an easy way to target it. You go and associate. I wonder where, I, yeah, playing Second Life. I wonder whether you want to see ads. I don't know. I might make it much more real. I mean, I think one of the things about Second Life is actually the more real it gets, the better. So maybe it's not a bad thing. Well, I don't know that we necessarily want to see ads 
in real life unless they're adding value to us in some way. They're talking about something that's actually going to make our lives better. Mm, but can you, what, what if you click off the ads in Second Life? Does that make it any less real? If you so you sat, suddenly you're in a world where there are no ads. I mean, look at some of those games like, uh, what is it, um, um, Grand Theft Auto LA? Yeah. Which is, a, you know, I mean, a lovely a lovely male version of life where you get to rape everybody and kill everybody and all the rest of it and still get away with it. <laughs> um, the, you know, there's that, what makes it realistic quite often is the ads on the sides of the walls and stuff, some of which are paid for and some aren't. It's Second Life is full of ads. They're yeah. all for buying a land or buying a body or sex or stuff like that. Yeah, well, I mean, when I've gone through it, and, you know, I don't do it that often. I haven't seen that many ads myself, but maybe, I'm, maybe I am looked at it a month ago. <laughs> Probably changed. Mm-hmm. You know. Do you, have you bought any ads on it? No, no, I've, I've only... What about your podcast organisation? You would have bought a few ads on it, but, you know, at least they could hear as well as watch. Well, it was only about uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago where I decided I was going to get serious about becoming a native in Second Life and spending a serious amount of time in there so I could really understand it. And, and, and what shape body did you choose? Oh, you know, the same as you'd expect. Uh, you know, what, tall, thin, broad shoulders, muscle. no waist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the no kind, chins. The kind, of body chin. the kind of body I'd like to have in real life. I did, <laughs> I did actually think for a while about getting a chick's body. And yeah, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Put a growth double on a chick's body. I, At least they'd share your tits. I've always wanted to have the experience of walking through life with, with people staring at my chest instead of my bald head. <laughs> Just don't want them to be man boobs that they're staring at. I, um, yeah. I uh, got a mate of mine who was uh, big in World of Warcraft, and his avatar in World of Warcraft was a sexy female. And mm. uh, the, in real life, this guy was a very unattractive, overweight male. And he, he was saying it was amazing at how differently people treated you. If you're oh, look, I could believe female, that. Even in a virtual world. Whenever I dress up as a woman, they treat me completely differently. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be amazed when it's like going to the bank and then trying to find your name as Jeffrey Bowl and saying what they say when you're in drag, you know. <laughs> so what about podcasting, Jeffrey? You got any clients that are looking at using podcasting to get their messaging out? We don't have enough of them. Um, in fact, I can, I can honestly say right now we don't have anybody doing that actively at the moment. We've done a little bit in the past. Um, I think it's a great approach. Um, I'm really for it. Um, this kind of thing where people can click. I mean, what I hate about radio is that I've got to get lucky and hear that thing or I've got to somehow magically decide that I'm going to be in my car at 7 o'clock at night because they're going to discuss X, Y, and Z. The idea of being able to go, say, to the ABC or whatever and just click on an interview is marvellous. And your sort of thing is even better still because, you know, you're creating it and you, and it's much more edgy than the kind of thing you're getting in the mainstream. I think it's fantastic. We wouldn't be able to have that discussion. You'll probably edit it out anyway, that discussion we had before about men and women. But um, You think? Yeah, well, I don't think you should, actually. I think you should live dangerously that way. That way you become famous for this sort of stuff. I don't edit anything, man. Good. You can drop the C word and that's going to run. It's a beautiful thing because that is what makes most of the stuff that we see bland. Well, you know, the, my my approach to podcasting, which I've been doing now for two and a half years, it's 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 this is real life, right? Mm. This is a real conversation that you and I'd be having if we were in a bar over a couple of beers, right? Yeah. Speaking it's of much which, more interesting for other people to hear the hesitations, the, to hear the brain tick over. It's fabulous. Yeah, it's not scripted. It's not edited. It's not sanitized. This is mm. real human conversation. 
Yeah. On that subject of podcasting, we've got a number of clients who have approved us doing some of these sorts of things in the next month. Um, I had a meeting yesterday with somebody who wants to do um, uh, a live um, outbound visual thing. So I wouldn't call that a podcast. What do you call it when you're doing live? I mean, it's like a webcam camera, but it's kind of much more rich as far as content goes, as far as, as quality goes, from a couple of their, they, they do retirement villages, and they just want them running the whole time so people can click in there and see what's going on inside. The, that kind of thing's fantastic. You don't see enough of that both from mainstream marketers. See what's going on inside the retirement home. Absolutely. Old ladies getting chained to... Uh... Well, maybe not. I mean, but, but very big brother. You know, not as much... Not as much, um, uh, you know, in the bathroom. I don't think it'd be all that sexy. Hope, be... Hopefully, not as much. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you don't want to see old but, people you know, having sex. Oh my god! But, but it, say, say it's a Thursday night and they're having happy hour, and it's seven o'clock at night. You can actually look at all these men cracking jokes in the bar. I mean, that sort of stuff. We, we, we you know, we're putting it together as we speak. But it's a. I think that kind of development is fantastic. Yeah. And why wouldn't you want to um, be associated with that kind of level of entertainment? Because it would be very entertaining. I mean, I think advertisers need to go where the public are. They may be frightened of them. They may not have as much control. It's certainly going to upset, you know, some of these um, multinationals that are run by, you know, 32-year-old scared insects that, that want to have complete control of everything in their lives. But at the end of the day, an advertiser is beholden upon getting the audience any way they can. Um, and if the audience happens to be watching uh, or listening to podcasts or, you know, watching live webcam or whatever they're watching, then so be it. You know, what are you going to do instead? Just ignore them and hope that somehow magically they're going to come and buy your products anyway? You don't have any choice. Mm-hmm. You've got to go where the market is. And I guess, you know, the, just to wrap up, one of the things that we're definitely seeing, and I'm glad you agree with me on this, is if you look at the, uh, the TV viewership in this country is down, newspaper circulation is down, radio listenership is down. You can't have something that is pervasive time-wise of the internet come into the world without it affecting other things that were entertainment. Mm. has to. Yeah. People what is it going to do instead? You're just going to suddenly invent a whole bunch more eyeballs? People only have a certain number of hours in the day where they can uh, read, watch, and listen to stuff, right? That's right. And look, it may be you know disappointing, but it's a fact for, for the major media players. But there's an absolute, it's a fact of life. There's no choice. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's not like you can, you can't stop it. You've let the genie out of the bottle. The public are now able to talk to each other across the internet, across the ether. They can, you know, they can leave messages for each other. It's only going to get busier, more exciting. Um, it's fabulous. I mean, I'm almost 50. I've, I've gone through everything from... Uh, I mean, I've had a marvellous life so far. I've gone through the sexual promiscuity of the 70s where you could go out and get laid and you didn't even need to wear a condom and you couldn't catch anything. I've gone through the 80s where there was more money than God out there and everyone was walking around with Rolexes on and, and driving BMWs. The 90s where we had a, a bit of a recession but the internet started to pop its head up. We're now in this huge growth phase from a, a, an intellectual and an experiential point of view, and I, I didn't touch enough on that experience thing, you know, if you want to, you can sit on the back of somebody else and drive a race car now, you know, on a Saturday afternoon on television, let alone live, it's fantastic on the web. You know, these, these, these experiences that we can have are only getting better and better, and as, as, I, as I get old, I'm kind of sad that I'm not going to be you know, I'll be 70 by the time we start, you know, doing stuff that's 
even I mean it's so wild now it'll be I just can't imagine what's going to happen in 20 years it's just so exciting well with the rise of genomics and nanotech you'll probably uh, look like a 20 year old by the time you're 70 man yeah I'm hoping I can get a facelift without surgery you know <laughs> My guest I had on the show earlier this morning is the professor of robotics and AI at uh, MIT in Cambridge, mm. and he was saying it's an exciting time to be alive. I think you and I agree, right? Oh, I think it's fantastic. Because it, um, yeah. So, is there anything we need else to know? Where are we up to with the timing? Just going to put in a plug, man. So, if anyone wants to uh, go and talk to an agency who's excited about this stuff and not just poo pooing it like most agencies do, well, where do they find Starship? Uh, well, we're in Richmond, uh, 9428 in Melbourne, that's 0394 4411 Probably be easier to send us an email to, uh, or just go to starship.com.au and uh, have a look and see what we do now. Um, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk to your customers, sorry, your, um, not your customers, your, your audience. Um, and uh, I'd like to talk to you again about some of these other things. I don't know whether my opinions are any good or not, but um, uh, it's a fascinating subject. And, uh, you know, if you ever want someone to talk about it, I'd love to. Yeah, no, great. Thanks for coming on, Jeffrey. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Cameron. Um, and, uh, you yeah, looking forward to uh, receiving this and seeing what I sound like. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your time.